the R&B Solutionist Thinking Podcast Series for the creative minds with a passion for possibility. Hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Today's guest is Gary Kirsten. He played 101 test matches, 185 one-day internationals for South Africa between 1983 and 2004. And for a while, he was vice-captain of the Proteus. Everyone needs to be the best that they can be on a day. And for me, building that culture and the leadership that drives that is critical. Because without that, guys start to play with fear. And when guys play and perform with fear, you don't get the best version of that person. But it's difficult because it's all results-based. It's the same as any company. They are accountable to their shareholders, bottom line. And results are everything. If you don't have the results, forget about the internal health of the organization. Results are everything. And that's the key. If you become mesmerized into that space where the result is more important than what is the process that you're setting up to allow the results to take place, you can have a lot of inconsistency in your performances. I'm Bruce Whitfield, and you're listening to RMB Solutionist Thinking. Holds the record for the highest individual score by a South African in a one-day international, 188 not out against the UAE in the 1996 World Cup. Does it count if it's against the UAE? <laughs> I mean, I'm not no disrespect against the UAE, but they're not exactly up amongst the cricket-playing nations of the world. It's certainly not something that I talk about. <laughs> in fact, it was in 1996. It was a long time ago. I've completely <laughs> forgotten about it. Do you miss the game? Do you miss playing? Uh, not at all, Bruce. Yeah, no, I'm, I've nearly, I've nearly been retired uh, as long as I was playing. So I played 17 years. I've now been retired 15. So I'm looking forward to just getting over that 17 years where I become a proper old person in the game of cricket. <laughs> you can stop becoming a commentator and you know, really being taken seriously. <laughs> you were in the pre-professional era and the professional era. Mm. Was it fundamentally different? Um, yes, it was. I think um, when I started playing in even in the eighties, I don't think we ever thought of cricket as a as a as a, a job, mm. as a kind of a lifetime opportunity to work. We always thought of it as something that you would do recreationally, and that yes, you could make a living out of it, but uh, always in the back of your mind, you were having other options in terms of where you're going to take your life. Cricket traditionally was the four day test, and then it yes. became the five day test. And test few and fewer tests get to five days, and those that do. It just go on for too long. <laughs> then there was the Benson and Hedges 50 oh. over series and that you know, made cricket exciting and now the T20 and you of course went and coached India mm. for three years and mm. you're a, a big fan of the T20 baseball cricket mm. series thing mm. that happens. Yes, I am. I mean, and cricket's needed to do it. You know, I think it was in many ways it needed to refresh. Test cricket will always be there for the purest few, but unfortunately they are the minority. And at the end of the day, we need to keep up with the, with the modern times, you know. And we needed to create another product that was going to bring a new audience into the game. And I think it's successfully done that. I was cricket we, in danger of dying? Um, at, at, a, at a mass level, yes, in, in my view. I think you'll always find your cricket purists around the world. But I think the thing that scares me is, I mean, if you want to fill a cricket stadium for a test match these days, you'd probably need to go to England. Or Australia, where you would see more of it. And you would need a Proteus England game or a, a New Zealand or an Australia England Kind of a, a game with good context. And that's why, like, the Ashes series is yeah. always well supported. It's England, Australia. And for some reason, the people can take days off work and go sit for eight hours at a, at a cricket stadium. But, um, you know, having played 100 tests myself and grew up loving the game of test cricket, I've, I've really started to enjoy the shortened formats. And, you know, I've got young kids, so, you know, to get them to go watch a 50-over game is, is unlikely. But I can, still, um, I can still get them to go watch a live 20-over game. Are they good at the game? Do they love the game? Do they, they absolutely love the game of cricket. I think they, they just... Do they have a choice? 
Yes, they do have a choice. <laughs> I'm the modern parent. I give my kids the choice. But, um, yeah, they do have a choice. But I think they have part of formal sport in this country. We've created that a little bit, you know, formal sport, which has its positives and its negatives. But they at Ronawa School here in Cape Town and – which practice formal sport right yeah. from the age of nine, ten years of age. And they know. take things like cricket and rugby very seriously. They, they play their, they're in their league systems at, at, at under 10. They're playing hardball cricket from a very young age. So they enjoy it um, and, and, I, and I guess um, are, are part of the system more than anything else. What is it about cricket that is good for humanity. One looks at, for example, the origins of cricket and W.G. Grace and the legends of cricket and how then colonialism spread cricket into India and Indians are more obsessed about cricket than any other nation on earth. Yeah. Um, and I was chatted to John T. Rhodes the one yeah. day and he's like, he's more well known in Delhi than, he's in, <laughs> than he is in South Africa. It's, it's an amazing culture, maybe. Yeah, and maybe we could talk into team sports, I think, in many ways. And for me, growing up, sport was part of my education. And often what we do, especially in South Africa now, where we're dealing with a lot of challenges in the country, we kind of separate that out. We say, well, education is key and we need to throw a lot of resource in there. We kind of neglect sport. And I'm, I'm doing quite a lot of work in Kailicha at the moment where at 2.30, the kids go home. There is no extramural program mm. that, that can keep them interested and, and keep them excited about um, the day and about what they're doing. I, I think I learned more from sport than I learned from my academics. And uh, the concept and the idea of working with other people, doing things well and succeeding in community is, I think, one, one of the great values that team sports brings. I'll never forget my dad saying to me when I love tennis and squash, and he always they say to me, you'll get, more out of a, you'll get more out of a team sport than you will out of an individual. And... Um, for me, I think there's a lot of values that come out of doing something with a group of people and striving to be better, I suppose. I mean, there's nothing stronger than the collaborative force if you're on day four of a test and you're in innings down and you're either playing for the draw or you're going to make a call to go for the win and take the risk of losing. I mean, can you remember a moment in the dressing room on day three or four where as a team you sat there going, we have to make a decision on how we are going to play this game. Our names are all uh, on, on the score sheet. Many of those occasions. Um, but I think more importantly, you as an individual feel accountable to everyone else. So you might be in the position where you can actually make a contribution that can turn a game around or save a test match or go on to win a test match. And or then, be the one who blows it. Correct. <clears throat> It's on the other side, the one who actually makes the error that costs you the game. So you may choose in a semi-final of a World Cup to run. Absolutely. You shouldn't have run. Absolutely. For example, <laughs> Mr. Donald. <laughs> we, exactly. don't, we, we, we don't hold grudges. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but those are the tough decisions you're confronted with because you are accountable to your peers. And I mean, there can be, as you say, no greater force than knowing that you are going into a performance and there's a whole lot of people that are resting on the decisions that you make. When it comes to South Africa and cricket and race, South African sports divided. Cricket particularly, for a very long time, very little multiracial cricket mm. in South Africa. And we're only really recently seeing a volume of talented young black cricketers mm. coming to the team and they're performing right at a right. level which is extraordinary. Mm. And it just it feels like the great lost opportunity, mm. one of the many lost mm. opportunities for South Africa. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in the 80s in, during, during the, the apartheid times, and um, I just think of the, the opportunity I got to explore this game and the privilege I got. Nothing more simpler than just playing on a good surface. You know, it scares me a little bit when I go into our township areas and 
one of our national sports is not being re- represented at all in one of the biggest townships in Cape Town, you know. This was the motivation then for you starting the Gary Kirsten Foundation, which is to take cricket into townships rather than going into townships and scouting for talented Correct. young people who say, you look like you could be a good cricketer. Why don't we bring you into Ronda Bosch or into Bishops or into one of the great schools? Yeah. Why don't we just say, let's give all kids a chance to sample this game correct and specifically in the schools you know i think um, that's where you can where you can drive a lot of new thinking around what you want to do you know for me in my small way um because i think there's a lot of good work going out nationally and you you're absolutely right i mean i'm very excited by the development of black cricketers in this country i think we're moving in the right direction and you've got to commend cricket south africa for the work that they've that they've driven that process really hard but we're in a small region here in Cape Town, and I just noticed that in, a, in, in that region, um, cricket not being represented at all in the schools. In the clubs, yes, but not in the schools. And I think, the, I think that's a very important point because, you know, I want 11-year-olds getting excited by the game of cricket. I mean, in my break times, and I'm sure in your break times, particularly your break times, somebody who had a piece of chalk and drawn three lines on a wall, got a tennis ball and a stick or a piece of rubber pipe or something, and a game would be on. You want that happening in townships. In the way I've got this image uh, of India where kids make a plan and play cricket in the street. They play cricket anywhere. Anywhere you go, there'll be a game of cricket taking place. And we just don't, I don't see see that enough. But yet we have, bro, uh, cricket is slightly more formal in South Africa. So for me to introduce it into the schools and you create a more formal environment, I don't see a problem with that. You just got to, you got to create the facility. So we just started building nets. Because that's a starting process. Mm-hmm. Yes, you want fields as well. It's difficult to maintain fields in the in the township, so that's why I think artificial is the way to go. But then it's expensive. Yeah. But if you create um, one school of excellence in a region, you can service a whole lot of other schools, and that's what excites me. Is that it? You get the facilities on. We know we can produce the coaches, and then you build a program, and then that becomes an example of what you can do. Let's remember. That, as far as I know, we've only produced one black cricketer to be fully educated in a township school in this country. And who was that? In Fenerco and Gum in the late mm-hmm. 90s. All our other successful black cricketers have received scholarships to go to elite cricket schools, which, which, is, a, which is a great story. Our sporting schools work. Yeah. And they, but they why do. can't we have more sporting schools? Yeah, and, and you know, for every one that gets talented kid that, that gets a scholarship, there's, there are lots of others yeah. that aren't getting the same opportunity. Um, and miss out because there is though, those kids that do get a scholarship, a lot of them go on and, and do really well and make it. How be- do you fund a project like this? It takes a lot of money. It takes not any time, but a lot of money. It takes a lot of collaboration, getting lots of different interest groups together, getting the buy-in from, from schools, from education departments. I mean, just the politics of it must be Absolutely. And quite we've, exciting. And we've had, we've had a good experience of that. But at the end of the day, I've, I've always believed let's make one work. So let's show to people that you can build a sporting school of excellence in the townships where you can produce really good sportsmen out of that school. And that's a non-fee-paying school, by the way. But, mm. but you, can, you can put down – I mean, it's going to cost us 6 million rand to build an artificial surface. 6 million rand. But that, that artificial surface is an absolute must. You can't play sport without it. No. I mean, if you think about it in rugby, you take football, you take cricket, you take hockey – you need good surfaces to play on, bottom line. So if you can't create that or if, you, if you're not building that infrastructure, then you're saying, oh, hold on, we'll take the talent out of that region and then we'll go find a, a, a good school to go allow them to play on a good surface. But you need the infrastructure as a number one priority. We can build the programs, which mm-hmm. we're doing already. So we've got nets at, at, at the five schools we're involved in. So at least we can have 
practices taking place. We employ the coaches. But there's something quite soul-destroying about spending your life practicing, 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 Correct. never going you to play You need to have the, the matches, absolutely. Yeah. And they do, and they, we try and create matches where, wherever we can, but they never play at home because there's no field to play at no. home. But I think the exciting bit is that it, it, it is possible because once you see the program running – and you see an 11-year-old, you could, be, you, could, you could go to a township school and watch an under-11 practice where there's a proper coaching program taking place. You could be at any under-11 practice in the country because mm-hmm. the talent's there. What is your vision for what you're doing? Certainly that in, within, within that, in that foundation work is, is, is to produce a cricket school of excellence in the townships. So that school can compete against any elite cricketing school in the country and win. Don't always have to send our kids out to get a scholarship and to go into the least schools. It's great for those kids. Yeah. But you take one of the schools in Cape Town, for example, to put a kid on a full scholarship through five years, including full board and lodging, is about half a million rand. So no, you put 10 in the system. That's 12 kids and you can build an entire facility for the, the price of 12 scholarships. Correct. What does cricket look like in South Africa 10 years from now? Cricket will never go away in this country. I mean, if you think about it from 1993 – Onwards, I mean, we've produced a cricket team that's literally been the top four best cricket teams in the world. But so, never won a World Cup. Okay, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. How do we win a World Cup? We'll get to that yeah. because there's no I, – I don't think there's no silver bullet there. But I think the important thing is we're always producing good cricketers. Yeah. And for me, that's very exciting. It's our national sport. We always have a competitive team. We're seeing a lot more black cricketers coming through, which is an absolute must in this country because now we're understanding that there's a bigger base – of players that we could work with. So I get very excited by that. But I think most importantly is we're always producing a good good cricket team. So something's working and it has continued to work. Then the million-dollar question, none of us have the answer for, but it's uh, it'll be great for the most iconic event in cricket for us to cross the line on that. But it's a more complicated issue. But to get, <laughs> to, but to get a team that wins a World Cup changes then the internal dynamic in a country because suddenly Correct. a national team wins a game. Rugby Absolutely. transformed by the Rugby World Cup wins of 95 and 99. Absolutely. As a result of that, rugby is more inclusive. Yeah. We, we need to, to, you need winners to inspire people to participate. Absolutely. Let's, um, let's not get, get it wrong. I think the team has been a very successful team over many, many Great years. Teams. But I, I agree with you that that trophy is kind of, it galvanizes mm-hmm. an, a nation in many ways, as, as we have seen. You know, I've got a view that we, we live the expectation too much. And maybe it's quite nice when there is no expectation. And I th- I've got a feeling that this tournament, more than others, I, I don't think we've, we've been given much hope to win it. Maybe it's a good thing. Well, we, we live in hope. Keep the expectation low. <laughs> we've got good players. I think we've got a great bowling attack and, uh, some, and some exciting players. And hopefully they don't have this kind of scarring of, of, the, of the kind of misdemeanors of the past in World Cups and the chokes as people use it, which no one really likes the word. But, uh, you know, we can kind of turn this around and, and go win one. But it is the ultimate in it team is. endeavor. I mean, most games have got a duration of an hour, an hour and a half. If you're Cameron van der Berg, recently retired, you're swimming for 30 seconds at a time because <laughs> <laughs> it's very quick. When you are asking people to collaborate and to work together either in, in the T20 game, a couple of hours, in the 50 over game, slightly longer, or over five days, there are very few disciplines in the world that require that amount of collaboration and teamwork and focus for an extended period. Absolutely, and over over nine months, you know. So there's an there's a an important leadership piece there in terms of how you build up the culture of this 
group of people so that at the end of the day, every guy can feel he can give the best version of himself. That's ultimately what you want to do. Everyone needs to be the best that they can be on a day. And for me, building that culture and the leadership that drives that is critical. Because without that, guys start to play with fear. And when guys play and perform with fear, you you don't get the best version of that person. But it's difficult because it's all, all results-based. It's the same as any company when they are they are accountable to their shareholders, bottom line. And everyone will come up, results are everything, results are everything. If you don't have the results, forget about the internal health of the organization, results are everything. And that's the key. And if, if you become mesmerized into that space where the result is more important than what is the process that you're setting up to allow the results to take place, you're going to have a lot of inconsistency in your performances. Gary Kirsten, cricket coach, founder of the Gary Kirsten Foundation, looking at South Africa's cricket landscape in a way that is different from many other people and saying, how can we make this game more inclusive? How can we make this game sustainable in South Africa? How do we make more people in South Africa believe in cricket in the same way as people on the Indian subcontinent do. Could you just imagine the cricketers we could produce if Gary Kirsten is successful? Today's R&B Solutionist Thinker. R&B Solutionist Thinking. For more on this series, visit 702.co.za.